Welcome everyone to the 1111 Synchronized Podcast. Good evening, day, morning, night, afternoon. Wherever this is meeting and greeting, you hope you're in the best spirits, the highest of the high spirits. If you have any topic requests that you would like to see covered, please send those, direct those to either my telephone, my email, or my inbox on Instagram. You can find at Agent K21 Podcast. On Instagram or Twitter, you can find at Agent K21. And you can find me on Snapchat. You can find me on Facebook. Find me anywhere social media is performed. All right. So happy Black History Month, guys. Happy Black History Month. And um, today's Black History Fact. Shout out to Nick Cannon. This picture, this image was actually found on his page, his Instagram page, so shout out to, to Nick Cannon for this dropping this black history that they want us to forget knowledge. In 1959, 69 black boys were padlocked in their dormitory at a school and then it was set on fire. 29, I'm sorry, 21 were burned to death while 48 managed to escape. Now, I did a little bit of digging to find this information about this article about this school and about what happened and so I'm going to read a little bit of it um, to you guys and if you uh, if you have a weak stomach if you haven't eaten I would recommend uh, getting some food and or not not getting food perhaps if you have a weak stomach you might want to skip over this Uh, but I'm going to read some of this um This article is the tragedy in Wrightsville, what really happened in 1959. Wrightsville, for the last five decades, every year has been 1959 for Frank Lawrence. For the majority of his life, Lawrence has been trying to solve one of Arkansas's greatest mysteries. No one ever knew it existed because the ability of the state of Arkansas to do such a fantastic job to cover it up, said Lawrence. March 5th. 1959, 69 African-American boys ages 13 to 17, including Lawrence's 15-year-old brother, Lindsey Cross, were padlocked into their dormitory for the night at the Negro Boys Industry Industrial School in Wrightsville. Around 4 a.m., a fire mysteriously ignited, forcing the boys to fight and claw their way out of it, the burning building. It's an event in history possibly forgotten or unknown by many, but it's that moment that claimed the lives of 21 boys. It was a carefully calculated murder that involved 21 boys but was designed to kill 69 that were housed inside of this dormitory, said Lawrence. Lawrence has made it his life's mission to uncover the truth surrounding what he calls Arkansas' secret holocaust, which coincides with the focal point of Arthur Griffin Stockley's latest work. When the smoke cleared that March morning in 1959, the boys were burned to death, were found piled on top of one another in the corner of the dormitory. The 48 who had survived managed to escape by prying off mesh metal screens from two windows. Most of the boys that were killed had run back to a corner of the building. If you look at the diagram, you can see that although there were a couple of doors, in fact, we know there were, there was no one there to unlock the door, said Stockley. 
The horrific event briefly made headlines that also brought attention to the squalor and deplorable conditions in which the boys lived. The conditions were to a point where when 69 boys all go to bed at night in a space barely big enough for them to move around and they are one foot apart from another and you had to get up at night and go to the bathroom. They had to defecate in buckets, said Lawrence. The boys went around in rags. They had one 30-gallon water tank for them to take baths, said Stockley. The boys in the school were committed for being orphaned, homeless, for committing offenses described as mischief and alleged petty crimes. The school and the treatment of the children became a fairy representation of segregation within the South during the Jim Crow era. A whole part of this is our history with white supremacy and the way African Americans have been discriminated against historically in Arkansas. It was never separate but equal. It was always unequal, said Stockley. Now, almost 60 years after the horrific fire, both Lawrence and Stockley are writing books, hoping to spark a fresh look at the fire and its initial cause. The fact that it was in such deteriorating conditions, that's probably why the fire started, because of the wiring, said Stockley. So was it gross negligence that led to the death of the boys, or were they burned alive intentionally? Lawrence believes the latter. Everyone wants to conclude that it was an accident to prevent putting more embarrassment on the state of Arkansas, said Lawrence. Two years before the fire, Little Rock gained national attention in 1957 during the desegregation crisis. Then Governor Orville Fabubus called the Arkansas National Guard to keep nine black students from entering Little Rock's all-white Central High School. Fabubus's decision was overturned by President Dwight D. Hauser. In retaliation, Fabubus shut down Little Rock High Schools for the 1958-1959 school year, often referred to as the loss year. Lawrence believes the events leading up to the loss year added fuel to the Wrightsville school's flames. The Holocaust in this murder is a seminal event that has been designed to trigger an action by the African-American community to say, oh no, we are not going to try to integrate schools anymore. We are going to try to be separate but equal. But we are going to stop this desegregation activity, said Lawrence. Prior to the fire, Governor Fabubus turned toward the Wrightsville School and saw firsthand the conditions in which the boys lived, but made no recommendations for change. However, newspaper articles reported Fabubus appeared disturbed by the death of the boys, calling the fire inexcusable. Fabubus immediately called for a hearing to determine who may have been responsible for the deaths of the children. The science of preserving a crime scene was in, was in exist. Um, what? The science of preserving a crime scene was in existence in 1959. Yet the very morning these boys were killed. Oh, I see. <laughs> I read that completely wrong the first time I looked at this. Is saying the science was there to preserve the crime scene, yet the very morning these boys were killed, they were dismantling this whole scene with hoses, rakes, and shovels. They were tearing it apart like they were trying to cover up something, said Lawrence. The school staff and superintendent L.R. Gaines all gave their accounts of what happened that night of the fire, noting that the boys had been locked in and left unsupervised for the night. Conversely, the Pulaski County 
grand jury found that numerous individuals and agencies were responsible, but ultimately they returned no criminal charges. Unfortunately, it's just like blaming everybody and nobody, said Stockley. In the meantime, in an erotic twist, the land in which the school stood is now the Arkansas Department of Correction Facility, Wrightsville Unit, where you won't find a plaque to indicate the boys ever lived or died there. The same omission exists at their supposed mass grave, which can be found at the Haven of Rest Cemetery in Little Rock. The bodies was brought out here, and a mass grave was dug, and one to 14, and the bodies were entered there, said Haven of Rest owner Stephanie Webb. According to cemetery records, hours after the fire, what little remains of the boys who died was taken to a local funeral home and their body parts reportedly wrapped in newspaper. Most of the bodies were brought to Wishon Funeral Home, which of course no, now no longer exists, and as far as how they were received, there's a lot of questionable stuff, said Webb. The parents of the boys could just come in and pick out body parts a la crate and claim they were their children, said Lawrence. Seven of the 21 boys were buried privately by their families. The other 14 are supposedly buried in a mass grave, their brief funeral and burial paid for by the state of Arkansas. After the ceremony was over, the family members were ushered away from the ceremony and not allowed to view the interment into the burial plot, so they never saw coffins go into the ground, said Lawrence. According to Webb, the cemetery's record indicated a bronze grave marker was purchased for the 14 boys a few months after their death, again by the state. However, she says she has never seen it, nor does she know where it is. So what is the truth surrounding the death and burial of the Wrightsville boys? Lawrence and Stockley both hope their upcoming books expose, expose the perceptions that Arkansas apparently put little value on those young boys' lives. You can't exclude history just because it's distasteful to a certain community, said Lawrence. We have to feel some pain at some point about these things as opposed to dismissing them as kind of an academic exercise or part of our pathetic history of race relations in Arkansas in the South, said Stockley. The Claims Commission ruled in September of 1959 to award the estates of each of the 21 boys $2,500, but Lawrence says his family only received $1,400. In the meantime, he hopes one day to gain the right to exhume his brother's remains and bury them in his family's burial plot in Hensley, Arkansas. Lawrence's book, Locked In and Buried, America's Secret Holocaust, which is set to come out later this year, hopes to, future, hopes to further explore the circumstances surrounding the fire. Additionally, he dives into why he believes Governor Fabi Bos and Little Rock businessman Dr. T.J. Rainey directly benefited from the immediate sale of the land on which the boys' school once stood. If you look at my research and uncover the circumstances that surround the players involved, starring, starring, starting with Governor Fabi Bus and T.J. Rainey and other segregationists, it would be easy to conclude it wasn't one of the five excuses that they elevated, like possible lighting, possible arson, possible wood stove, possible faulty wiring. Rainey and others conspired to kill those kids so they could take ownership of all of that. Um, I don't know what that word is. So that they could flip it. Oh, okay. 
so they could flip it and build the all-white boys' school in Bowley Park, said Lawrence. Stockley's book, Black Boys Burning, plans to further explore how the deplorable conditions of the school possibly led to the deadly fire. Yeah. Yeah, guys. That, uh, a lot of people don't know about that one. And, um, yeah, we got to educate ourselves because the education system is, uh, you know, what they say, the winners write history. So we have to educate ourselves. We have to find information for ourselves. Whatever you're interested in, you have to find it. It doesn't have to be black history stuff, but I encourage it to be black history as it is Black History Month to just find just things that intrigue you and, and get really curious about it. Um, you know, I, I, um, a couple of things I thought about, a couple of things. So for my undergrad, I went to two HBCUs for my undergrad and I used to wonder while I was there, is this contributing to the segregation problem, you know, to be at a historically black college, um, twice, is this contributing to the illusion of separation and knowing that people fought to have schools integrated and to see that we still segregate ourselves, you know? And um, I, I always would think about that. And then now I work in the school systems. I work in public schools. And when I ask my kids, like, hey, what are you guys learning for Black History Month? They look at me like I'm crazy. They look at me like, what is Black History Month? What is that? And I'm just like, what? When did they stop doing that? I mean, even when I was in high school and maybe even middle school, they I feel like they taught about black history. I don't know. But what are your guys' thoughts? What are your guys' thoughts about um, about just any of that? <laughs> about the segregation problem, about teaching black history in schools, public schools to be specific. Uh, that's wild to me that they're not really teaching it in, in at least the districts I'm in. They're not really teaching shit. I'm like, what? How are y'all not talking about Black History Month during Black History Month? I don't get it. Um, but yeah, if you have any comments, uh, leave them on my last picture on my Instagram on Agent K21 podcast. Leave your thoughts on my on, on the photos there. So I want to talk about emotions, anger specifically. Anger, anger, anger. Anger is an emotion. And typically anger is not an acceptable emotion. You know, right now it is retrograde season. So there may be some flare-ups of anger. There may be some decreases in anger or just emotions in general. Now, anger, anger shows you what you care about, shows you what you're passionate about. Anger, I think, is very much related to fire, right? It's wild. It's unattainable. It's just, it just spews out anywhere. And um, it's very hard to control. It's very hard to control anger. And you don't necessarily need to. You know, it's not about controlling anything. It's about observing. And uh, we don't try to control fire. We just observe it. Oh, you know, and I know there's been a lot of fires in California, Australia. There's been wildfires everywhere it's hard to control and so the same with anger very similar 
Now, there are only two vibrations in the world, and that is love and that is fear. Anger happens to be on the lower spectrum, connected to fear. So anytime we have a, a moment to be angry, usually there's some kind of sadness at the root of it. Usually there's some kind of fear at the root of it. Usually there's, there's more to it. There's some type of powerlessness at the root of it. Anger is kind of like one of those cover-up emotions, you know. It's the, it's the big dog that, or it's the little dog with the big bark, right? It's one of those cover-up emotions. And um, a lot of people, a lot of children, a lot of people who have grown up were not allowed to express anger. I think anger is one of the most natural emotions. All of our emotions are natural. And having a way to express them is, is key, you know, especially as we're growing up. We may not be consciously aware of how to observe our emotions just yet, but I think learning early on how to observe and express our anger without being shamed, without being ridiculed for it. And um, I've found that anger can be such a creative outlet. You know, personally for myself, I, I like to box when I'm angry. I box, I rollerblade, I go swimming. I do something when I'm angry. Um, sometimes I just sit there and stew in my anger. Sometimes I pace. I pace a lot. When I'm on the phone, when I'm arguing, I pace. Um, I, but finding those ways to, to let that out. And I feel like because the more zen I become, the less, the, the quicker anger and fear and worry are able to transmute so much quicker that it's not lingering on for hours and days it's literally minutes I could be angry and then I observe it I talk to it I embrace it and then it's transmuted into something else something creative something passionate something raw and organic and um, I think that we need to teach more people how to transmute their feelings a lot of us suppress and bury them and run from them we need to run towards them especially the feelings that we don't like you know and you know especially in minority communities what happens is we don't have an outlet for our anger so the children become the outlet for the anger and it creates a trauma and I'm not just talking about physical abuse I'm talking physical verbal sexual any type of anything because when we feel powerless it it um it flames the rage you know and um a lot of us pretty much every child I've ever seen including myself has felt powerless you can't choose what you want to wear to school you got to go to school you don't have no choices that you can make everyone's making choices for you everyone has felt powerless at some point and to not be able to express that to not be able to say, hey, fuck you, parent. You know, like, <laughs> that's uh, that's just, man. To not be able to express that, whether it's writing it out, whether it's speaking it. However, to not be able to express that at some point to someone and it just stews in you and it just um, becomes an internal pain, an internal fire, it, it becomes... Um, it just sits there until we deal with it. And that's why I'm a little biased, but that's why I do recommend counseling and therapy for people to talk about these things, to get it out of their system. 
to transmute it into something else. Because if it's just in your system, it's just collecting dust. It's just collecting more and more and more. And it's just becoming like a big ass yarn ball and just sitting there rolling around in all that dysfunction. And um, when you go to therapy, a good therapist will help you unpack your luggage. And I've mentioned before, I do offer affordable counseling. This is the shameless plug. I do offer affordable counseling. The link is in the bio at Agent K21 Instagram. Um, I don't charge, but I do accept donations. And that is that is my calling, if you will. And so, yeah, find yourself a good person to process with. It doesn't have to be a counselor. It could be a friend, family member, a journal, a dog, a pet. I don't really care. But it's important to express and have an outlet for yourself. You know, if you need to scream, scream. Scream as loud as you need to do. If you need to yell, if you need to just cuss for a whole 30 seconds, do that. And um, then observe. So we've been shamed and ridiculed for our anger and been feared of having it found out. You know, obviously most people have grown up not being able to say fuck you to a parent. And if they did, there were consequences. So there's that fear of expressing anger. So we got to deal with it at a fear base because anger is a fear vibration. So you got to deal with the fear, you know, of if I lash out, these are the consequences. And you have to kind of sit with those sadistic thoughts. I mean, I know that sounds like weird, but if you're like enjoying the thrill of, of the consequence that's something to sit with and not judge yourself I don't mean sit there and go oh I need to judge myself for this but there are a lot of people out here who who just need help and just need love and just need support and it starts with you supporting yourself so sit with those thoughts sit with those you know let I'm not trying to give anyone um the false pretense of if you know that doing diving deeper is not going to be good for you that's not what I'm recommending but what I'm recommending is that you accept yourself hey I have these twisted thoughts I maybe I need to take that vocabulary out and not even call them twisted thoughts because that's a judgment maybe I need to just say hey I'm having these angry thoughts in dialogue with it where is this anger coming from when did I first notice it who is this anger really directed towards because this a lot of people do horrible things because of the deep self-loathing they have it's not almost ever about anyone outside of them it's always about you know the deep self-loathing I was talking with someone the other day about um, Adolf Hitler and talking about the speeches he gave and talking about the deep self-loathing he had for himself to even cause such um, horrific events And, and it was all based out of fear and it's based out of fear and hate. And even just talking about them, you can feel your energy shifting. You can feel your energy shifting. Why? Because we're made out of water. We're 70% water. And the words you speak to yourself literally vibrate and change the molecules in your body. So if you're feeling such hatred... How do you transmute that? If you're feeling such anger, how do you transmute it? You first have to let it be. 
you know, a lot of us want to skip to the happy ending. It's like, it's a process. You got to go through the tunnel first before you get to the light. And you got to kind of walk yourself to your home. You have to walk yourself home. And if you're angry and then you try to dismiss it, what you resist persists. So if you're angry and you don't want to be angry, the fastest way to change it is to sit with it. The fastest way to change it is to sit with it and let yourself, let it flow through you. I'm sure you guys have heard energy in motion is what emotions are. Energy in motion. Let the energy flow through you, you know. And if you need to look at something else to acknowledge your pain and your anger, you can look at all the gurus. They've gotten angry before. Look at all the ascended masters. They've gotten angry before because it is a human emotion. And so before you can walk yourself to love, you have to allow that darkness to carry you to the light, if you will. (laughs) And it's like I said, it's not an easy process. And you only can do it when you're ready, because if you're not ready, it can be an emotional turmoil for you to try to do things before we are ready to. But most important is to understand that anger is a perfectly normal emotion. Allow yourself to feel angry without judgment. And then allow yourself to process that anger by recognizing how it reflects on you, what is happening to you. doesn't matter if a situation made you angry. doesn't matter if a person made you angry. Everything is a reflection to yourself about yourself. So if this person or the situation pissed you off, that's you pissing you off. Everything is you. And so once you step back and observe, hey, that person cut me off. I'm really pissed off about that or whatever the case is. I'm sure you'll find ways to realize, oh, I've cut people off too. Oh, I um, actually am mad at that person because they're reflecting my own insecurities back to me. I'm actually mad at this person because it's not even about this person. It's actually about my parent who did X, Y, and Z X amount of years ago. So sit with yourself. Ask yourself questions. Take the person's situation on mute and take them out of the situation to realize, like, It's never about the counterparty. It's never about what you see. It's always what's going on underneath. Where is the anger really stemming from? And I just want to warn you guys because it's retrograde season. And um, yeah, the triggers and being triggered can be more common. Mishaps can happen right now. So um, if this is new to you, please just be kind to yourself. And give yourself loving observation, you know and um, find ways to incorporate yourself and integrate all of the fragments of ourselves. And so, yes, please, everyone, do some research. Love on yourself, love on your neighbor. And not that way, but (laughs) uh, yeah. So I'm going to leave this here, um, and we're going to pick up another day. So, yes, if you have topic requests, send them in. If you want to be featured, send that in as well. Got some events coming up here shortly. I'll talk more about that another time. All right. Until next time, be well.